I awoke in space. The spaceship's passenger cabin looked like a 21st century airplane interior, except it was square, not cylindrical or oblong, and it had no seats. Stars appeared like pinholes in the five cabin windows on each of the four sides of the ship. I was weightless. I floated through the air. Again, I was alone. Again, I had no recollection of how I got here. A phone startled me as it rang behind me. It was floating less than a foot away from my head. I didn't recognize the number, so I let it go to voicemail. And then, after a long pause, a message alert peeled through the cabin. I listened to the message. Hey, what's up, Murray? This is Mike G. I thought you might want a phone call. You're not going to believe it, but if my calculations are correct, you are near the center of the Andromeda galaxy. We were trying out a new audio technique in the studio. We were, I think we were auto-tuning some extremely low tone, like 7 hertz or something, and it was really weird. It opened a singularity right there in the control room, and, and then I accidentally knocked you in. Um, somehow it sent you to a wormhole. It was first it was near the Kuiper belt, and then that anomaly collapsed and, and transferred you, I guess, 2.4 million light years away from our solar system. I am so sorry. Other than the weightlessness, I didn't feel funny or uncomfortable. I guess I'd better just sit tight and wait for somebody to come and get me. At this time, it will not be possible to rescue you. Your only option is to, um, well, we need to talk about that. I peeked out the window ports. It seemed pretty calm out there, like I was looking into the night sky from my backyard. First, I need you to find the main buttons for the pod. You should see a blue square, a yellow triangle, and a red circle in the center of one of the overhead beams. I looked left, right, and backwards before seeing the shapes. They were right in front of me. I floated closer to the buttons. The other beams were just like overhead compartments on airplanes. The fourth one, the one where the colored buttons were, contained no storage. It was just a solid beam that buttressed out from where the wall met the ceiling. Press the blue square. I pushed the blue button and immediately fell to the floor. This is your gravity button, adjusted for one G of force. I was stunned for a second, shook my head, and got up. Press the yellow triangle. I depressed the yellow shape. Slowly, the walls became transparent. I could see space around me. This is your visibility adjustment. Don't worry, the walls are still there. It's just that now you can see through them. Hold on to your hat, Murray. What happens next scares most people. As he continued, light began to seep through the floor. The floor began to disappear. My footing remained firm, so I assumed that the floor was becoming transparent like the walls. I saw in the center of the clearing a giant black hole with beams of light being stretched into a perfect circle around it. You are orbiting a black hole. We are excited because you've proved that there's a black hole at the center of the Andromeda galaxy. That's good news. Now, for the bad news. Murray, in order to get home, 
you have to pass over the event horizon and into the black hole. That doesn't sound so bad, I thought. Any human would be stretched and pulled to ribbons, but your unique body composition makes it, well, possible to survive. Great. Now, you have approximately 20 minutes until you pass what is called the event horizon, the point of no return. You will feel intense gravity. If it should become too intense, you have the option of pressing the red button. It triggers a self-destruct sequence. If you press it, you will still pass through the event horizon, but you'll do it in pieces. We'd like to receive you intact, so hold on the best you can. Over and out. Looking down through my feet at the black hole, I was briefly struck by its beauty. Then I was disgusted by its destruction. What a wonder. A perfect circle of light and infinite dark. The entire cabin was mostly transparent. I could see the outline of everything around me, but I could also see straight through it all. It reminded me of a movie where an invisible person becomes covered in water and you can see their outline. That's what the walls looked like. The space where the blue square and the yellow triangle were lit now were unlit. The red circle button was lit, a reminder that I could end this at any time. I looked at the other three walls. The transparency function revealed single green hexagon buttons centered on the remaining three walls. The one to the right of the console wall had a one, the one across from the wall had a two, and the one to the left had a three. I depressed the button with the one on it. Music played. Running from tonight 
May I come along this time to watch you cry, to watch you beg, to watch you burn, to watch you die. May I set your world afire? nice. I looked down at the black hole. I could see debris and some general space junk beginning to collect and move in my general direction around the black hole. It was like riding in a boat and having something float next to you and then pass on by. Suddenly, I saw what appeared to be a green light ball approach with a blazing speed. As it got closer to the ship, it appeared not to slow down. It was coming right at me. I thought I was done for as it collided and shook the vessel wildly. Apparently, I had shields. I noticed the number two button begin to flash. I got up, shook off the blast, and pressed the second button. A flat video screen descended from the ceiling, just in front of the hexagonal knob. A brief period of static was followed by the image of a spaceship. Hello there, a voice from the ship said. The vessel was a three-pronged mass with three rotating pods on the ends. The two in the front were passenger pods, and the one in the rear was larger and looked to be where the engine was and where the steering took place. Good day, sir. We represent the Republic of the Central Andromeda Planets. You are trespassing. You have five minutes to vacate our territory, or you will be vaporized. 
A knob below the screen flashed. I pressed it. The screen said, Reply. Um, that's cool. I I don't know exactly how I got here. Um, my boss told me just to um, cross over the event horizon on this here hole and everything should be good, I said. No, sir. No one can cross the event horizon. That would bring about the end of the universe. You must leave immediately or we will destroy you. I looked again at their ship. It looked like, well, almost like it was made of a strong cloth, like maybe a giant morning coat. They were at it again. I remembered these guys from the island, Apopanax, Monocle, and Horatio, the farting chimpanzees. Apopanax was doing all the talking while Horatio was driving the ship. His apparatus consisted of a stationary bicycle with handlebars that steered the vessel. Monocle appeared to be doing a crossword puzzle. Um, negative. I'm going to proceed. You guys have a nice day. Horatio, fire! Another green light ball approached and collided with my ship, shaking it to the core. Depart our territory, or we will destroy you. Apopanax exclaimed. Monocle continued to work on his crossword puzzle, unfazed. Just then, a joystick on a stand appeared from the floor of the vessel. A crosshairs materialized on the flat screen. When I touched the joystick, it moved the crosshairs accordingly. What's that behind you? I said. All three chimps looked behind them, each looking over his left shoulder in synchronization. Then I lined the crosshairs with the vertex of the ship, the meeting point of the three pods. I pulled the firing trigger. A red ball of light rocketed toward the ship, vaporizing the conjunction point. No, 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 no. Gestures of aggression are treated as acts of war. You will pay for this. As he spoke, the three pods broke away from each other in a brilliant explosion. Each pod stumbled through space for a second and then became independently mobile. We've lost our firepower, you fool. We will return with a thousand monkey dingo bingo. You'll rue the day. Well, apparently it didn't matter what they returned with, because I had about ten minutes till I was going to be stretched into ribbons, crossed into God knows what, or face something called a dingo bingo. So, I looked to my left... The number three was flashing. I walked three paces, shook my head, and pressed the pulsing number. Crystalline life Our atoms entwine in the light We couldn't find Imperfect lines from the height Framed in white Like warm 
watching love die Just sliding on by A secret road ride Nothing is safe or divine Not fragile or kind Can't tell what is yours from what's mine While the cabin and its storage compartments were nearly transparent, I couldn't help but notice that one of the overhead compartments on the left wall was slightly ajar. I walked over to it and pushed it downward as to close it. Suddenly it popped open. Out fell a singed, rusted tricycle. It looked so familiar. Upon hitting the floor, it seemed to decompose quickly. First rusting through and then turning to dust completely as if it were, I don't know a vampire on a patio having breakfast on a summer morning in quick succession the remaining four cabinets clicked as if unlocking and wanting to be opened I moved the second container lifted its latch and looked inside a rolled burlap mat tucked itself safely in the depths of the compartment I carefully removed it. It unrolled easily. What was on it didn't surprise me. There was a giant X coupled with various unfamiliar landmarks. It seemed to be a treasure map. The next stowing closet contained what appeared to be a plush salamander toy. It was brown and lacked eyes. Its only markings were tan spots upon its back. The next cabinet appeared to be empty at first. Upon closer inspection, there was a flat object in a paper sleeve. The contents of the sleeve 
was a hard, black, plastic disc with small grooves. In the center, it had a circular label that said, Mr. Mungo's Dingo Bingo. In the center of that label was a hole slightly larger than a quarter. The label also said 45 RPM. The final compartment contained a messenger bag. It had a strap, a large compartment, a flap, and several utility pockets under the flap. On the outside of the bag, a label that had an infinity symbol, a sideways eight, and the letter G was embroidered. Infinite G. A tag read, Contents of this pack are impervious to destruction by gravity, not guaranteed against fire or water damage. Good idea, seeing as how we were orbiting a black hole. The bag had several tools under its flap, including a glass vial, a pencil flashlight, a pocket knife, and a pocket watch. The time on the pocket watch was spinning rapidly. I looked at the objects that had come from the compartments. I dusted the rust particles from the disappearing tricycle into the vial. I placed the map, the salamander doll, and the 45 RPM disc into the various compartments on the bag. There was just enough space for everything. The current picked up. Space trash accreted around the ship. Everything was moving quickly in a counterclockwise direction around the massive black hole. The singularity was so large that as I got closer to its edge, it got bigger and bigger and seemed further away rather than closer. I could see the event horizon. Space, time, and matter danced and rippled on its edge. The pressure was becoming unbearable. I felt a sudden snap as the gravity compensator broke under the weight of the black hole. Time was moving quickly and slowly. It was hard to tell if I had been here for seconds or for years. Everything was coming to a grinding halt and accelerating faster than light itself. Slowly, everything was turning white. Everything was slowing down. Then, in a flash, I was surrounded by an infinite landscape of white in all directions. I have been waiting for you, a powerful voice said. Is that you, Mr. Mungo? Mr. Mungo is not here, Murray. My name is Archelon. A massive leatherback turtle emerged from the white. He creeped slowly and deliberately. He had small, wire-rimmed glasses. As Archelon approached, if that was in fact his name, I was taken aback by how large he was. His skin was leathery and strong. He had no shell, but rather, his armored casing was a part of his body. I have been here since the dawn of time. I am here now. I will always be here. So, where are we? This is the center of the universe. The point at which all things converge. Are you God? No, just a turtle and the guardian of the three portals. I am not as magnanimous as God is. So, can I ask you a question? Um, 
Are you saying there is a God? Of course, Mary. How else would you be here if you were not created? Well, that solved that problem. Uh, so, um, what are the portals exactly? The portals are temporal anomalies sheathed in three-dimensional realities, ones that the primitive mind can understand. For you, these take the form of a volcano, a black hole, and a sand pit. All three lead here. I must guard what comes in. Suddenly, a ball of mangled tricycles appeared from the white. When did this arrive? Not long before you did. The first time. First time? You've been here many times, Murray. I suspect this will not be the last. About a hundred yards away, in different, equally angled directions, three circles appeared equidistantly from the center of Archelon and me. The circles grew. One was made of fire, one was black, the other was tan, like desert sand. Someone approaches. The circles grew bigger still. What's going on? I asked. As someone arrives, I channel them through this space, and then into one of the other two locales. So, I guess I arrived through the fire hole one time? Many times. And the other ones, too. The white space shook and vibrated wildly. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the chimps said they were sending a dingo bingo, but I guess you've seen that before, too. No, not the dingo bingo. Run, Murray. Run. Run. I looked left and right and opted to run into the sand circle. It seemed to be the least destructive. I made it to its rim, turned, and looked over my shoulder. The black hole had widened to the size of a football field. Slowly and buzzingly, what seemed like a thousand flying monkeys emerged from the hole. A Papanex, Knuckle, and Horatio brought up the rear. Run, Murray! The monkeys buzzed left and right, swarming overhead and all around. The chimps floated and corralled the monkeys in their monopods. We will destroy you all! A Papanex said. Monocle was slightly more engaged, and Horatio buzzed around the swarm with a fast swoop. Then, the monkeys formed into what looked like a giant elephant. He unraveled the tricycles from the ball and began juggling them. Archelon, now you will be destroyed, and I shall be the guardian of all, Mr. Mungo said. Archelon turned to me and shouted, Murray. You must find the Malamander. He will set this right. Mr. Mungo's elephant hoof stomped down upon Archelon. There was no crunch. It looked as if Archelon disappeared just before impact. Mr. Mungo, find the wooden man and eat him. I turned, shook my head, and dove headfirst into the sand circle. Deserve this. Some-
got lost in the process I guess it just wasn't worth it There's a fly in the basement Buzzing round like he means it His agent working in earnest Yeah, there's a fish in the furnace And I know That something has to go And the sea stench makes us cold Yeah, I know a crack in the pavement yeah, Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the night of the comet I guess the world doesn't want it There's a fish in the furnace I don't think we deserve this Something got lost in translation yeah. yeah, there's a crack in the pavement And I know that something has to go And the sea stench makes us cold And a bad hand ought to fold Yeah, I know Desert. Mr. Bongo's bingo, bingo. <laughs>